Well, it doesn't get any sweeter than that one. The Astros just finishing up as we're recording this. Their second win going up 2-0 against the New York Yankees and one of the most extraordinary Astros wins in the history of the franchise. I'm here with my co-host, R.G. Seal. And, uh, RG, hey, did the roof blow off the top of that from all the noise after Correa's game winner? R.G., I, I just I have an interesting thought just right off the top, and, and I just want to get your feeling on this. I think this was the greatest Astros postseason win as far as edge-of-your-seat excitement from beginning to end that I've ever seen. I'm going to put this one actually ahead of the 18-inning game because it was only in the division series. I was at that game. I was at the Brandon Backey game where Jeff Kent hit the walk-off home run. I think the Jeff Kent walk-off home run might be the only one as far as Astros wins in the postseason that was ex- exciting from beginning to end and as dramatic and as special as that one against the Yankees. Well, I, I don't really want to get into historical comparisons as much as you do to begin the show, but I'll, I'll humor you here with it. I, I I think it was one of the most exciting games, but I, I would still, because of what it meant for the franchise at that time, not getting over the Braves, not getting past them, remember losing all the times in, in the in the 90s there. Well, they did finally beat them in 2004, excuse me, you're, you're uh, right about that, Uh but as far as in 2005, it was just it was one of those big things. It was to go to a ch- championship series again, that team that year. I mean, the drama, the excitement, and this is great. It's taking a 2-0 lead over the Yankees. But you I mean, if the Astros lose the next four, it's like when Eddie Johnson hit that shot. You know, that was a, a great win that day and everything. And it set the, the Rockets on their their way. You were thinking towards winning in 1997, right, when they had Barkley and all, all those guys for the first year. And yet that was the end of it and they didn't end up winning. And so you have those kind of moments. And this is one of those moments right now in the league championship series against the Yankees. Great win, go up 2-0. But I still can't put it over the, the – the Chris Burke game too was also 18 innings. I had Roger Clemens in there. And that was just – that was so tense. I, and just to see if the Astros would be able to – because going again, you know, and having to play potentially in Atlanta – and, and, you know, not closing it out there, that that was really key to do that then. So, But this was edge of seat as well. I mean, this is one of the greatest uh, Astros wins in history. It's just hard, you know, already to start saying, pick this, pick that. I, I'd rather just talk about the game and the excitement and how the Astros can move on from here. Well, first of all, we got to talk about where it all starts, and that's Justin Verlander. It's his seventh career 10 strikeout game in the postseason. That's two more than any other pitcher ever all time which is remarkable i know it's a different era the pitchers are pitching and more postseason games because they've added the division series but just uh verlander rg uh if he didn't win that game as an astros fan as a baseball fan it would have been a major disappointment because what a game he pitched from start to finish i mean basically i don't even think the the, the pitch that he he gave up the, the double on that gave the Yankees their one run. Was that bad of a pitch? That was just a nice job by Todd Frazier. And uh, Verlander was extraordinary. He was extraordinary. And you said it right there. That pitch that he threw to uh, Todd Frazier, I, I watched it again. And, yeah, you're right. I mean, he was able to just go out and, and get it and, and drive it for a double. And you know, you have to tip your hat if a hitter can go do that on when Justin Verlander is throwing his best stuff. And he really had his best stuff because – 124 pitches and 
I believe he had 93 strikes total. I, I mean, that's just pinpoint precision. The Yankees, as we know from their lineup, they are are not going to be overly aggressive. You've got to pitch to them. You've got to make your pitches and execute. And and really, these games have gone to where the Yankees felt probably like they had a really good chance to win, holding the Astros' offense down and going to a battle of the bullpens. But Justin Verlander took that decision out of A.J. Hinch's hand. That's what's, what's so remarkable. We look at a postseason right now where everybody's pitching with their relief pitchers and yanking pitchers, and this was a complete game. This was a throwback to Nolan Ryan, and it's kind of ironic because Nolan Ryan was sitting behind home plate watching Justin Verlander. Also, RG, just the back-to-back performances, you know, we got to go back to, we didn't get a chance to talk to everybody after Dallas Keuchel's game on Friday night, but uh, the combination of those two guys coming up big, and that, that's exactly what you would have envisioned once they got Verlander to have Verlander and Keuchel go back-to-back, and Keuchel just owns the New York Yankees in his career, which is, uh, you know, that, that's something sweet to to have a guy that pitches that well against somebody like the New York Yankees, but you know, you talk about Justin Verlander, and I think, uh, RG, one of my leads for, for tweet of the game after this one was uh, the guy, I think is Philippe Craig is the, the Twitter handle, but he said, I used to be jealous of Verlander because he is with Kate Upton. I am now jealous of Kate Upton because she is with Verlander. <laughs> <laughs> I was just wondering when you would finally get in the Kate Upton. I had it, you know, over under three minutes. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I was just kidding with you there, though. Yeah, no, Kate Upton, she was in the stands, bubbly, Justin Verlander's model SI girlfriend. Yeah, I mean, that's that's always something to behold. But I, I want to get back to what you said about uh, Dallas Keuchel and Justin Verlander back to back. And Dallas Keuchel, I mean, these are two different types of pitchers. I mean, what he was able to do in game one uh, really kept the Yankees hitters off balance. He was able to throw change-ups, his slider, his cut fastball. He was really able to do that. And he wasn't throwing as many strikes, but he would get, you know, strikes when he needed them and then, you know, got Yankees chasing outside of the zone. I mean, that's what Dallas Keuchel does. He's just so good. He's a precision pitcher. He doesn't overpower. And then you come back in game two and at Luis Severino, the opponent, too, with the Yankees, I mean, both of these guys, hard throwers. Justin Verlander comes in. He's got the 97, 98-mile-per-hour fastball. He's got the breaking balls that he mixes in with it. But he was, again, I mean, just people to throw that many strikes to get batters out with his slider and and to uh, all and rack up 13 strikeouts. I mean, these guys, back-to-back games, it's the first time – since Nolan Ryan and Mike Scott that you had Astros pitchers with 10-plus strikeouts. Dallas Keuchel does it for the first time in many years, and then the very next day, Justin Verlander comes back and does the same thing. So, yeah, I, I'm sure you, everybody was excited, just as excited as Kate Upton jump, jumping up and down inside the Minute Maid Park. And that's what, it, like you said, that's what everybody was expecting, acquiring Justin Verlander and Dallas Keuchel to have that one and one a You talked about Verlander's control, RG. How about this? He went to three balls on two batters in nine innings. I mean, that's uh, that that's control. I would say that's pretty good. That's not too bad. Yeah. And and we got to talk about the man. I mean, we, you just you know, if if you are a sports writer and, and you for some reason, which man? There are a lot of them to choose from, right? We've got Keuchel, we've got Altuve, we've got like Correa, we've got Justin Verlander. But I know you're talking who you're talking about. Yeah, it, 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 yeah, it, it's it's uh, the guy. 
that should be the MVP. And, and, and if he's not the MVP, there's going to be baseball writers, RG. This is going to be like asking for a recount after one of the uh, elections <laughs> or something like that. Right, it, right. Th- these guys are going to be called. Hey, can we check that again? Can you, can I, can we do something? Hey, uh, yeah, I'll tool Although I, I will caution. It's like right now he's saying all this, but uh, you know, we've been Houston fans for so long. You just don't want like, you know, you want to keep your fingers crossed here. Don't assume anything because if Aaron Judge ends up hitting five home runs in the Bronx over a three game series, that would be worst case scenario. Then, you know, you're coming back here or whatever. I mean, you just we don't want to think about that. So we don't even want to. It's like it's great and everything right now. But, you know, we're we're Houston fans for a long time. Don't count your chickens before they hatch. Yeah, I I guess the thing is, I'm a little worried about Aaron Judge all of a sudden finding his stroke. But I'm not worried too much about how Jose Altuve all of a sudden going cold I mean just the way he's played is just it's it's been remarkable what he does and and the thing about the Astros that I I think makes them so much better than the Yankees at least to this point and and you know you said it baseball it's it's always the next day's pitcher the momentum changes as soon as one guy gets uh you know throws a nine inning shutout or something like that but the thing about the Astros hitters that that just doesn't seem to go away and the thing about the Yankees that doesn't seem to go away is the fact that the Astros, they don't strike out and the Yankees do the the Astros put the ball in play. And when you put the ball in play, it's much more likely that good things are going to happen. And that's the one thing that RG, you and I harped on through all of those uh, strikeouts a couple of years ago when the Astros were setting up the Chris Carters and, uh, and those guys of the world. I mean, that was what you wanted. You wanted to see guys that could just get the bat on the baseball because you knew, hey, if you get the bat on the baseball, something good can happen. Like you said, I mean, in years past, and I don't want to denigrate these guys because they had great careers as Astros and a lot at some really good moments. But you had your your Colby Rasmus and your Chris Carter and you had your Luis Valbuena and they would you know, hit 200, 220, 240, a lot of them. And they would strike out a ton, but they would hit you 30 homers, too. Uh, more than that for Chris Carter. And, you, but when you really look back on it, uh, yeah, that's where it was a real problem. The Astros were always at the bottom of the league. They were always uh, near last or near the last in the amount of strikeouts. And you, like you said, if you put the ball, if you make contact, saw that with the Kansas City Royals when they won a championship in 2015, they had those contact hitters up there. They would elongate at bats. Now, one thing I will say about the Yankees that you mentioned there, and they do strike out a lot. But they get really good at bats. I mean, you see it just with the way that they start with uh, Brett Gardner, the the way that he'll just battle and fight off pitches. I mean, he's a really frustrating at bat at the top of their lineup. Aaron Judge, even if he's striking out, a lot of times he's going to three and two counts. You have same thing with Greg Bird. He hit the home run the game one off Ken Giles. But I mean, he's a guy that will work counts. So before you know it, the one thing with the Yankees, and this is what the Astros have to be careful of, especially going into the series now where they're not going to have Dallas Keuchel and, and Justin Verlander. They're going to be going with your the Charlie Mortons and they're going to be going with the Lance McCullers and the Brad Peacocks is that. These guys are, are they're going to, you know, maybe get four or five innings out of them, hopefully uh, effective innings. But the the Yankees are going to be extending at bats. That's what they do. They might strike out. But if they get the pitch count up to, let's say, 100 pitches for a pitcher, you know, 90, 100 pitches by the fifth or sixth inning, and then it's a battle of the bullpens, that's where they feel they have their advantage. So 
yeah, they might be striking out. They might not be contact hitters, but you have to watch the number of pitches as well with the Yankees lineup. Huge bonus of what Verlander did as he basically made you not have to use the Astros bullpen, which is huge. You got Giles exactly. a day off with, uh, you know, the the number of pitches and the number of outs he racked up the game before. But the other thing, RG, that I, I, I want to ask you, and this is this is the question that I think nobody will be talking about this much at the water cooler because of what happened. But should Gary Pettis have set Jose Altuve right there? I don't think so, no, because then you have second and third. You have Marwin Gonzalez coming up. I mean, in, in retrospect, oh, yeah, great. And, and and by the way, Joe Girardi was arguing at the very end of the game with a Carlos Correa pop-up slide. He did say in his press conference it was a legal slide. He was just going out there. He wanted to see if potentially they would review it. Maybe something could change. And everybody who's uh, – I mean, uh, the vast majority of people se- seem to think that what Carlos Correa did was absolutely correct. So – you might hear a few New York writers say, oh, he was like blocking or interfering with. But what he did was slide in there and pop up, which he's legally entitled to do. And so, yeah, with it, it all turned out for the better, like you said, because then Jose Altuve comes around and the ball bounces and and, and, and Gary Sanchez is able to make a play and, and Altuve scores. Otherwise, the throw beat him and Altuve would have been out. So, yeah, I think Monday morning quarterback, uh, I guess you'd say, uh, you know, Monday morning GM with baseball here, uh, or co- excuse me, manager, you'd be saying, yeah, I think Pettis made a mistake there that, uh, you know, sending Altuve because if he's out, then everybody's going to be saying, you know, you blew it right there. And uh, there you know, now two outs and Correa's on second, but, you know, it's still like you're going to have to have another clutch hit and it could potentially go to extra innings. So what do you think? Yeah, I mean, to me, I, I was surprised that he sent him. But in a game like this one where it was just so hard to get a run, it, it might have just been like, we'll take a chance. The worst-case scenario, it's one out and a runner on second base, and you still got Marwin and Yuli coming up next, and, and you need a single. And this isn't a situation where, uh, hey, if it's an infield, if he hits it in the infield, Marwin does, that it's an automatic run because, you know, they're going to have the infield in. Uh, you could. There's still the opportunity to throw Altuve out at the plate if he runs. If not, he might have to hold up. So, in, in a in a sort of a scramble situation like that one was, I can understand it. And Altuve knew at that time that the ball was going towards second, so they weren't re, the relay wasn't immediately home. So maybe you take the chance that you know the spin and the throw and the, and you got to make the catch at home plate, all all that kind of stuff. But yeah, it, it, it's a tough call. I mean, it's, it's, I'm glad I'm not the one that had to make that. I'm glad Gary Pettis was the one that had to make that one. By the way, Joe Musgrove, as I'm looking at, at my Twitter timeline, said that was the greatest game I've ever witnessed. So that's a, a, another one that's uh, another one of the tweets. The other, the other interesting uh, scenario that happened during the game RG is uh, we, the Astros got their own version of Jeffrey Mayer. How, how about that? We, we got our own kid to get the, to get the, oh, yeah. <laughs> well, that was another one too, that I, but that wasn't it. Jeffrey Mayer. He actually reached over and really kind of altered that series. And the Yankees went on to win against the Baltimore Orioles. And of course go off and win their first world series with the core four with the Jeter bunch. So yeah, that a little bit different. This one actually went into the stands, caught it, but yeah, I mean, that's the kind of fan you want in the front row, catch it instead of Aaron judge. That's for sure. But I wanted to get back to what you were saying before about, uh, not only Jose Altuve there and the slide that he made at home, 
But also just being able to manufacture runs, this is a, another thing. And I, I mean, we've watched the Astros for many years and, you know, those great teams of the, even of the 1990s, you know, they would go up against great pitching and even getting, you know, men on base. It was always just very difficult trying to find a way to get runners in and score. And why Altuve is just so great is, you know, not only does he have this high average in the postseason, I mean, he's hitting 625 and in the uh, league championship series so far, but just he's able to come up against Araldis Chapman throwing 100 miles per hour. First, boom, single, gets on base. Already Chapman's thinking about how do I keep Altuve at first base because this is one of the you know, best stolen base play. Uh, he, he steals a lot of bases. He's one of the top guys in, in all of Major League Baseball. So how do I keep him on? It makes him think. It makes him throw to first. It makes him think, wow, potentially this could be a double. I might be pitching with a, a man on second base here soon. And then Correa, credit him, a really good at bat. He's able to do that, drive in uh, uh, Jose Altuve. But w what this really shows, and, th and that's what you have to have in the postseason, you're not always going to get the home runs like we saw in the Red Sox series. You're going to have to sometimes find in these close games ways to score runs. Get back to your point again about being able to, you know, do those things where you, you have to make the other team execute. And sometimes you put pressure on them, and the Yankees weren't able to, like you said, with the Gary Sanchez. He bobbles the ball right there. So, you know, again, we maybe I blame, you know, Pettis the next day, ah, stuff like that for waving him in. But you know, to your point, it puts more pressure on, you know, it creates these moments in there. And so, and that's what somebody like an Altuve does. He just makes you know, cause you know about his speed. I mean, if it's, again, if it's somebody like uh, Yuli Gurriel or the 40 year old Car Carlos Beltran running him out of the bases, you're maybe, you know, not trying to rush the throw or do something or Gary Sanchez and thinking about that. But with Altuve, you just know about that speed and that causes something else to think about for players on and having to execute. Yeah, speaking of execution, I mean, we got to talk about two things that happened in the last two games that might not get talked about at the end of the game, but in the middle of the game, they were so important. One of them, of course, was Correa. You talk about his home run. You talk about the double at the end of the game, but you got to talk about the relay throw that he makes from JJ, J, JJ Reddick, from Josh Reddick, uh, out in right field. Reddick with the, with the good relay throw to him an accurate throw sometimes in a playoff situation, sometimes when you're panicking, sometimes when you're running as far as Reddick had to, to get to that ball, it's not as easy as it sounds. And then the other one by the new father, Marwin Gonzalez on Friday night, that throw that he made from left field, to home plate, the guy that plays every single position, he is the X factor of all time. I mean, this guy, not only was he maybe the, one of the best hitters in baseball this year, I don't care where you played him, but he plays every position, and he plays it so well. And the throw that he made to the home plate was absolutely extraordinary and it was huge in that game. It ended up being the difference in the game. The Astros uh, and, and the Yankees would have gone into extra innings without that play. And, of course, he follows it up by g being there just in time, as Marwin is, is always arrives just in time. He, he gets there in time to see his kid being born <laughs> later that night. Uh, seven pounds, so congratulations to Marwin. And uh, just, uh, uh, yeah, the, the execution of the Astros all over the place this year. And they're not just a great athletic team. They're not just a great home run hitting team. They're not just a great stolen base team. They're not just a great bunch of young talent. They're a great bunch of talent that also does all of the little things that you need from a baseball team. And that's what you're saying there with the little things and the defensive plays. I couldn't agree with you more. That was a, a, 
a key point in the game. And again, that we're talking about Gary Pettis. I'm surprised the Yankees third base coach there told Brett Gardner to come around and, and run for third base. I mean, especially at that situation when you have two outs in the inning, if it had been one out, you just never do that two out with Aaron judge coming up to the plate that potentially, you know, Aaron judge can hit the ball out of the ballpark. So you just stand on second base. I mean, that's, uh, I, I just, that was really worked out in the Astros favor because going to third base there, the innings over, it also saved Justin Verlander having to exhaust more pitches right there, which could have meant he goes out. You know, you just never know how a baseball game unfolds before them because maybe he's a little bit cautious around Aaron judge wants to face DD Gregorius or Gary Sanchez rather than, you know, face like Aaron judge in that moment puts a lot more pitches on his arm. Then he's out at the seventh inning, you know, instead of, then you got to go to the bullpen in the eighth or ninth and Giles. I mean, there are all these potential what if scenarios if that doesn't happen. So yeah, that was definitely a key play. Just like you said, in game one, uh, again, that the game, if, if, you know, Greg Bird and hits that home run, it ties the game and it's extra innings. And again, the Yankees, that's what they want to have. They want to go to their bullpen. They want to be in a bullpen battle. So these two games, that's why I'm really optimistic, at least with the Astros. They really haven't hit well the last few games. Uh, stretching back to the, the Red Sox series, uh, I know that they scored five runs, but on, on that on that clinching game. But remember, they were they were having some problems in, in, in the, against Chris Sale until Bregman finally got through to him. And then the time before against David Price with all those uh, scoreless innings and these first two games. So the reason why I'm also optimistic here in the coming days up in the Bronx, the Yankees are going to be going home. Uh, they're going to be revitalized. But the Astros, I mean, if you look outside of so far in this series, Altuve, Correa, and Gurriel, those are the three that have been hitting. And Bregman has a, a hit in the series as well in the first two games. The rest of the lineup hasn't hit. So there's still opportunities here for those guys to come and do something. And we've seen it all year. They're, they're really good hitters. It's a very potent lineup. So that's another reason I feel for optimism. Plus, like what we mentioned earlier, getting these two lengthy starts, it's also rested the bullpen. We saw how much over the course of the season, how much the bullpen was used. So hopefully that bodes well for guys that will be coming into the game, whether it's your Chris Davinsky or Will Harris or uh, you want to use Lance McCullers or Brad Peacock or whomever, you know, that Joe Musgrove, that these guys will be well-rested and, and ready to battle. A.J. Hinch on the uh, 12-year-old, I, I think the kid's name was Cooper. I'm blanking on what his last name is as I'm talking to you guys. But uh, he said, uh, A.J. Hinch said, I quote, I love that kid. I want to leave him tickets. So, yeah, A.J. <laughs> was pretty happy about it. Uh, R.G., uh, are you concerned at all at this point where – with uh, Carlos Beltran and Brian McCann, how those two guys are hitting. I mean, you have Evan Gaddis that's sitting there. Uh, he would be the the replacement if you wanted to switch off one of those two guys. Brian McCann's so good behind home plate. It's hard to imagine that. Gaddis, you'd imagine, would hit against lefties. But at this point, I, you know, where are you with, with Beltran? Because if you hit Gaddis, you'd still have Beltran late in games, which is where you like him. You know, you could always you know, start off the game with Gaddis, let him hit a couple of at-bats. And Beltran, who's always been extraordinary in late-game situations, you would still have him available for that. I'm going to kind of quote Joe Girardi here because in his post-game press conference, he was basically saying, look, I'm not going to panic after two games, dance with who brung you here. And so 
he's not going to be shuffling the lineup around. There's benching guys or doing things. This is the postseason. You face really good pitchers. I mean, Masahiro Tanaka was really pitching well in his game one start against the Astros. And then you also had that with Luis Severino, and they have a terrific bullpen. So, so yeah, I mean, guys like Springer and, and Marwin Gonzalez look a little bit befuddled to me at the plate. And Carlos Beltran had the big hit, of course. The Astros, that turned out to be the deciding run against the Red Sox. I know he's he's had, you know, a, a slow start in this series, but just based on what he's done over his career in facing right-handers, I, I still think he'll be in there against that. But if Evan Gaddis, he's going to be starting game three because it's a left-hander, CC Sabathia, so you don't have to worry about Beltran. Beltran would be coming off the bench in that case. And definitely, I, I, I prefer Brian McCann in there. He works better with the pitching staff. He's a better catcher. I mean, what we're talking about, defense and execution, I'm sorry. don't. That's why they're keeping a third catcher on the roster even, because they want Centeno in there uh, in case that, you know, possibly in late innings or backup or emergency. So, I mean, Gaddis is really going to be batting and, and being a DH and, and in this series anyway. So, it, it, to your point, it's really guys just who are already in the lineup the guys that you're depending upon, your 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 George Springer, your Marwin Gonzalez, you know, those, and Evan Gaddis when he's in the lineup again against a lefty, those are the guys that are gonna you know need to start hitting too, along with you know hopefully with Altuve and Correa. But we said this at the end of the last series that you know you had a couple of offers from the, the big guys and somebody else picked you up. That's what's why this lineup is so good is that. You know, it can be somebody different every single day. So, I, again, like coming up, it's who's your next starting pitcher? To me, that's what I'm looking at. Game three, CC Sabathia. He's used to these moments. He wants the ball. He's a left-hander. He'll be pitching in the Bronx. That stadium will be uh, electric. We know. And uh, the Astros are going to counter with Charlie Morton. So, I, I think that's going to be an interesting matchup. And again, I I, I would think that the Astros bats hopefully will be ready to break out at some point. They're just too good to, to not score and, and not be able to put runs on the board. Let me ask you this, because the Astros made an interesting move for the, for the postseason roster. Why do you think they decided to go with Colin McHugh, take off Tyler White? What do you do with Colin McHugh? Why, why is he on the, on the postseason roster? They decided to go with him instead of maybe a Tyler Clippard, somebody more natural to go out of the bullpen. I mean, what, what, what's the reasoning behind that, do you think? Well, first of all, do you let me ask you this. Would you want to see Tyler Clifford come into a ball game, judging by what you've seen? Not not so much, but But if you if you don't want to see him come in, then why why even put him on the roster? Yeah, that that's that's agreeable. I mean, is there is there anybody else that would have made sense to you instead of Colin? Well, McHugh? there's there's somebody I you know, I actually a Francis Martez, if he just didn't have all the control problems that he had at the end of the season. I mean, that's somebody that has an electric arm that has that 98, 99. But you know that, I mean, he was doing it in September. He would come in and he would walk guys and just not have good control. But he has the arm. I mean, that's why he's been the number one prospect, you know, or one of the number one pitching prospects in the organization. You see he has the electric stuff. Uh, But as far as I think what the main thing here is that is, and we talked about this before, the, you know, A.J. Hinch hasn't committed to a game four starter yet. And you have for a couple of reasons. So you have Charlie Morton. We don't know how Charlie Morton's going to pitch. I mean, he might pitch five innings. That's, you know, Charlie Morton's, you know, usually even during the regular season, it was getting him five innings in there. Right. So then you might, you might be lucky to get five, six innings out of Charlie Morton, or he might be out in the first or second inning. You've got to be going to Brad Peacock and then Lance McCullers. There's always a possibility that 
Colin McHugh's been in the postseason before. He's pitched. He could start a game four. And now that you've won these first two, the great thing about this is you're not in a must-win situation until a game five. Right. You can I mean, you don't want to lose the next two. You want to be up three one, but you're at least guaranteed of coming back to Minute Maid Park. And they, uh, the Astros probably would, you know, have like Dallas Keuchel pitching a game five at Yankee Stadium. And so and it'd be to the liking, as you mentioned, because of Dallas Keuchel's overall numbers against the Yankees over the years. And so I think that that just it just gives another option. Plus, you have to remember, too that a lot of these games are going to be close. We've seen it already. They could have potentially gone to extra innings. But you still want to have, instead of having somebody on the roster, yeah, I know a Tyler White's nice, potentially as a matchup against an Araldis Chapman. But the Yankees, most of their bullpen, he's not going to be starting. Tyler White's not going to be starting. And most of their bullpen arms outside of Chapman are the Robertson, the Conley, who pitched in game two. Uh, they have uh, a Chad Gray. These are all right-handers. And so... You know, even with looking at the Yankees roster and stuff, you probably aren't going to put in uh, Tyler White there. You're, you'd be more likely to put in a Derek Fisher to pinch it. And it gives you the option with Colin McHugh. Let's say the game goes to the 13th or 14th inning and you've used all your relievers up to that point. It, it also gives you the ability to say, here's a guy instead, you know, can go out and pitch five, six, seven innings. You know, I mean, he. He can go out there and do that. He's a starter. That's what he does. So I, I think it's also to have just that insurance at the back of the at the back of the pen to be that guy that if you want to burn a bunch of relievers through the game, that's why the Astros are carrying 12 pitchers now. That that uh, and and we've seen just how how quickly AJ Hinch might pull have have the hook. He'll be Captain Hook with some of these guys. It just gives you that a- added option whether to start him in like a game four or uh, use him as a bullpen arm, or even in extra innings as somebody that could pitch a lot of innings because he's been a starter. Well, I, I did find the guy, that the kid that uh, made the catch in the outfield, and it was Carson Riley. So that kid is going to be a hero when he goes to school on Monday uh, for making that play. And, and actually... He, got, he gets tickets from A.J. Hinch. As I look at his picture, he, re- he does remind me a little bit of a young A.J. Hinch. So maybe he's related to A.J. I don't know. But that, that that's pretty cool. Are you saying the Astros are planting fans in the stands there? <laughs> well, it, it might be a good idea, RG, because we've seen over the years where the Astros have, you know, the fans have screwed up. And, and instead of taking their glove and stealing a ball, you know, and we have uh, times where players from the other team will go into the stands on a foul ball and just kind of let that guy get the foul ball instead of the Astro fan with the glove yanking it away from them like we know they would do up in New York or in Boston. Yeah, in the Bronx, yeah, for sure. They're going to be. <laughs> Anything else that you wanted to hit on before we uh, finish up here? Yeah, I wanted to speak about Carlos Correa, actually, just because of uh, what he's been able to do this series so far and what he's been able to do in the postseason and the way that he kind of lives for these moments. He's talked about that, idolizing Derek Jeter growing up in Puerto Rico kind of the expectations being the number one overall pick that, I mean, he's really shown again with this walk-off hit that he had driving in Altuve, the home run earlier in the game. I mean, he's somebody you have to feel good about both of these guys, Jose Altuve and Carlos Correa, the two of them up the middle for the Astros, the bedrock, the foundation of this ball club. That's why it's so exciting. And even you, you add around them guys like Alex Bregman and, and George Springer and the rest of the club. But those are the two foundational pieces, and it's why it's so exciting to watch them this postseason. But I also wanted to ask you, uh, coming up here, I mean, we've already kind of touched on it a little bit, 
you know, CC Sabathia, Charlie Morton, these upcoming games, it's pretty big. At least we know that this series, even if the Astros get swept, they'd be coming back to Minute Maid Park. So this isn't the last game at Minute Maid Park for sure, because they're either coming back for a game six or they're coming back for a game one of the World Series. So kind of how do you see what do the Astros need to do over the next few few games? And how do you look at the pitching matchups there? Carlos Correa, maybe the best clutch Astro of all time already. I mean, can we say that? <laughs> uh, I mean, you look at just maybe the clutch players in Houston history. I mean, he's already in that Sam Cassell kind of area. Robert Ori, you know, we're talking about uh, as far as Houston athletes go, he, he's with the best of the best as far as I'm concerned. And I'm, I'm hoping, you know, coming up big and big moments in, in the postseason, it might rub off a little bit on Mr. Harden, who was sitting in the front row uh, towards the end of this game, <laughs> and it might rub off on Chris Paul, who was sitting in the front row. Those guys have had their teams have had their issues in the postseason. I know they've had their moments, uh, but obviously uh, they could have been better at times uh, in, in some big postseason games. But yeah, Correa, uh, just incredible. As far as the pitching goes the rest of the way, I mean, I, you know, we're, we're probably going to find out pretty soon here what it's going to look like. But, you know, if, if it just let's just do if, if it were me, uh, I think I would go with Lance McCullers at Yankee Stadium. Why not? You know, Lance McCullers, I thought, pitched as well as anybody has as far as the starters go with the Astros. And, yeah, I, did, I just didn't like a whole lot what Charlie Morton did in Boston. And so I'm a little bit worried about him. So I would go with McCullers. And Peacock, I don't care which is which, which goes game three and which goes game four, but those would be my next two starters. Well, but Charlie Morton's already been announced for game three, so he's starting, and then game four is still to be determined. Yeah, well, that, that's what I'm saying. I, if it was if it was me, I, I just wouldn't have gone with Charlie Morton. I'm just going to do if it was me type deal because I, I just wouldn't I wouldn't have gone with Charlie Morton. I, I think he, he's pitched the, the poorest of all four of the Astros starters that have gone out there. Uh, and, and then... It, as, uh, the rest of the series, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it, you just kind of go game to game with this type of thing. I, I hope what you said is true. I mean, I hope the Astros uh, have a lot of runs still in their bats to go because, you know, I think they're going to need a lot more runs than they had in the last two games. That's for sure. Oh, well, yeah. You're not going to be able to go up and win in the Bronx just scoring a run or two. That's a, that stadium, I mean, you know, they have the, you know, the short porch there in right field and, you know, being able to hit it out there, you know, at, at Yankee stadium and everything. So you have to be able to, uh, you know, hit the baseball in, in Yankee stadium and you, yeah, you're going to have to be able to, to outscore the Yankees and, and make their starting pitching work and coming up against CC Sabathia now, and they've already announced they're going to have Sonny Gray. The Astros are familiar with Sonny Gray from all those times with the Oakland athletics and the AL West. So uh, the Astros are going to have to have, uh, you know, score some runs because it becomes a two to two series again. And then it's still, you feel comfortable because projecting we're projecting that Dallas Keuchel would make the start uh, for game five. And then you'd have Justin Verlander for game six and then all hands on deck for a potential game seven. Uh, you know, you, that's kind of how things would be. You hope the Astros can close it out sooner or get some runs, make things easier, be up three to one and have Dallas Keuchel and, and Justin Verlander with potential closeout games. Uh, you know, maybe even a sweep here if you get greedy. But, you know, knowing it's the Astros and the Yankees, this New York Yankees team's a very good ball club. They're going to be energized going back home, playing in front of their fans in the Bronx. So, and CC Sabathia, we know this guy's won a world championship. He's been a dominant ace Cy Young pitcher. So he really, 
is somebody that the Astros are you know going to have a tough time facing. He's kind of found a little bit of the fountain of youth recently. He's not going to go nine innings, I don't think, like a Justin Verlander, but you know a good five or six innings. So the Astros are really going to have to score some runs off him, make the Yankees get behind early, have to go to their bullpen. That's the recipe both against uh, CC Sabathia and Sonny Gray. RG, let me ask you this. This is a huge question right here. Beyonce, can we get her on the front row? I mean, doesn't she make her home in New York? Her and Jay-Z need to be on, in the front row. And, and and I don't care about Jay-Z. I know he's got his Yankees gear, but Beyonce, better, she better be wearing a damn Astros cap. That's all I got to say. Yeah, well, hopefully she'll show up at the park. I mean, having Kate... Uh, Upton, as you mentioned, as good luck charm, you know, maybe uh, Matthew McConaughey, I've seen him at Astros games in the past, you know, maybe he'll show up there to the Yankee Stadium too, so you can have all your celebs there and, and uh, yeah, get all the Astros fans out, right? And raucous and roaring and, and, and wooing inside of Yankee Stadium, although it's going to be, a, of course, a, a Yankees crowd there, but it'd be nice to see a little, at least a little bit of orange in the stands. I think that's about it. That, that covers it. I mean, just, uh, I can't I can't say more what a great game this was in Astros history. I mean, this goes with Mike Scott, game one, 1986, as far as Astros wins. I mentioned the Chris Burke home run in, in the 18th inning, the Jeff Kent home run, the walk-off in the 10th inning, those two walk-off home runs. You know, walk-off home runs are, are great, but, you know, Walk-off home runs, it's just one swing and, and the ball flies into the seats and it's over with. But, you know, having – you know, Jose Altuve flying around the bases and the, and the play at the plate and, and just what Justin Verlander did from beginning to end from that game. I mean, just remarkable, you know, Reddick with the with the catch that was up, up against the wall. Uh, a lot of different things that were they're pretty cool from that game that I mean, just there'll, there'll be so many moments that people will remember. And, uh, you know, I, I think it just goes right up there with any Astros game in, in the history of the franchise. So uh, Astros win this one. Uh, and, and just uh, remarkable fashion, they go up 2-0 in the series. And we're going to try, try to keep bringing you guys good podcasts, talking Astros as the week continues. Uh, me and RG, we just got to get on the same page because uh, fit, fitting, fitting it into the schedule. But uh, we're going to keep, keep trying to do this. So I hope you guys stay tuned to us. Uh, if you know anybody that's not out there listening to us, let them know they can find us on iTunes and all of your regular podcast apps. And don't forget, if you got an Android, it's real easy. Just look up Houston Sports Talk in the Google Play Store, and you can find us over there. Hey, thanks a lot for joining us. Astros up 2-0 on the New York Yankees in the American League Championship Series. How about that? Go!